Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, I'm Miles. Maybe you've heard of me. David, it's another week of creating content, of pushing out content. I I dare say we're taking the Browns to the Super Bowl, but all of this sounds to me like it's code for dropping a deuce. I think I created a little content earlier this morning. That's very healthy. (laughs) Well, we are getting closer to actual football. I am so excited. The preseason is winding down for the NFL. It's winding down for us. This was a little bit of a strange week in NFL preseason. Wouldn't you say there were a couple of things that you just don't normally see? And as I've said before, Miles and I watch preseason football, so you don't have to. Uh, but we're going to get into all of that. Today, we're going to talk about the NFC on the Wanna Bet podcast. We're going to go through the handicapping of all of the divisions as set by BetMGM. We're going to make some playoff predictions. And at the end of this uh, podcast, we will be making our Super Bowl predictions for the year. So we got a lot to get into. Um, Miles, I understand there's some uh, fantasy uh, drafting going on. Oh, yeah, you know, it's interesting. Now with all these teams trying to cut down their players to 53 and people going from one team to another, if you've already had your fantasy draft uh, and you've taken Jonathan Taylor, you probably are scratching your head wondering if that was a good pick or not because he seems to be a man without a team. Well, a man without a team, and he's just went on the pup list, so he's out the first four games right away uh, with – sort of an ankle injury i don't know it is a mess and sadly it's a it's a mess for us a struggling team that's gonna have a tough year well and he was one of the top three backs last year and i just i don't i can't believe that they're willing to just sacrifice the season due to this contract dispute so who knows but i did have a fantasy football draft this week and You know, I've been doing fantasy football drafts for a long time, back when it was chic to take a running back in the first round, a running back in the second round, a running back in the fourth round. I did something this year that I've never done before. What's that? I guess this is like a podcast of of doing things for the first time. Last week, I bet on preseason football. (laughs) One year, 
uh, way back in the day, I took a quarterback in the first round. That quarterback was Kurt Warner, and I thought I, I, I thought, hey, Kurt Warner was so much better than all the other quarterbacks. And of course, that was the season where he got injured, and I came in last place in that league. So I, I vowed never again to take a quarterback in the first round. By the way, we're dating ourselves saying that you took Kurt Warner in a fantasy draft. <laughs> yeah, I think Marshall <laughs> Falk went right after him. Um, <laughs> So this year I had the ninth pick in a 10-team league and I selected Travis Kelsey with my first pick. Now, Get I, out. I've never picked a tight end in the first round and I well, time will tell uh, if this was a good decision or not, but he just seems to be so much far superior to other tight ends when it comes to scoring that I thought that'd be advantageous. So everyone else is taking wide receivers, a couple people taking running backs. I went with Travis Kelsey, and I just don't know how I feel about it. Yeah, I mean, look, you're not wrong in the sense that statistically Kelsey and Andrews are so far above all the other tight ends. It's a ballsy move. It is definitely a ballsy move. We'll see how it plays out. My advice to you, start drinking heavily. I like him, especially because he called the Cincinnati mayor a jabroni which I think is hilarious. I had to look up what jabroni meant, and I think I think you can say the word without being canceled. It's not, like, racially motivated or anything. Um, but I don't know. Uh, I did, on the way back, tick Tony Pollard as the uh, as the snake pick with my, with my number 12. So I think he's going to have a huge year. Yeah, I'm hoping so. So we'll see. And special shout-out to Marciano, Randazzo's, Vagdus, Milano, everyone else in this fantasy football league. Hopefully I will not uh, come in the basement position and, and be in the playoffs again. I'm just going to leave that line right alone there, not touching that one. Uh, but, yeah, shout-out to some of our listeners there. I have not had my fantasy draft, uh, so I don't have a team to report on. I will tell you, last year I was super excited coming out of my fantasy draft. I thought I had really nailed it. Um, I had Russell Wilson as my quarterback, so that's going to tell you how my uh, season went last year. Looks like you picked the wrong season to quit sniffing glue. Yeah, I definitely did. Uh, so let's get into it a little bit and some of these things that we were talking about. Um, so there's two things that we want to bring up in the sort of weird week category. Number one, we talked about you talked about cutdowns a minute ago. So Bill Belichick and the Patriots the other day did something I had never seen. They cut every quarterback on their roster not named Mac Jones, which means that they put up Bailey Zappi and Malik Cunningham on waivers, essentially, and exposed them to all the other teams. Now, no, they were not signed, and both of them got re-signed to the practice squad. But, I, I Miles, talk me through this. I, I don't understand it at all. Is it a strategic move? Is it Belichick just opening up roster spots? Because as I understand it, on game day, you have to have two quarterbacks on your roster. And then now they have this third emergency quarterback thing. So I, I just, I don't understand. Is is Belichick just such the genius? He's playing chess. Everyone else is playing checkers. What's going on here? I thought it was a huge gamble because when you think about it, he's putting them up for other teams to claim and other teams could have claimed them. So I think what he's saying is I don't have a ton of confidence in these guys because if I lose them, I don't particularly care. I can always find someone else that's, you know, at an equal level. Now, Bailey Zappi is one of our 
fan favorites. We love that guy in large part because he was named after the character Bailey from Party of Five. So I don't know why you would do that to him. Yeah, I think it's a little bit more complicated than just another team claiming them. I think they actually have to sign them because what I saw is that Zappi received seven other offers from different teams, turned them all down to return to the Patriots, maybe knowing that I feel like there were some shenanigans going on between the team and the players like, hey, we're going to do this as a strategic move. Don't take any offers. We're bringing you back. We're going to bring you up for the games, obviously, because we need a backup quarterback. We want to leave a couple roster spots open because we've got some competition. I just feel like there was something going on that even though we're all like, oh, my God, why did he do this? He could have lost his quarterbacks. I feel like they kind of knew that they weren't going to lose their quarterbacks. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe the greater Boston area knows more about it, and they're writing about it in all the the, the papers. And we do have some listeners out on the East Coast in Boston that are are very attentive to our podcast as well as the the league. So I haven't heard yet. I did think it was a strange, weird move, but I guess a little surprised. Um, It it all worked out, you know, which, which is a complete contrast to what the Cowboys did. That, to me, was another weird situation. Very weird situation. Yeah, you want to go into that a little bit? Well, you know, the Cowboys trade for, or signed, they traded for Trey Lance, which I don't know if that's the curse that that we have on Trey Lance. Last week we were talking about, you know, the Niners having the worst draft ever by taking him, and then they go ahead and trade him over to Dallas. So what does that mean? Dallas already has Dak Prescott. So now they got Dak Prescott, they have Trey Lance, I think they even have a third quarterback. They decided they're going to cut outright Will Greer. For some reason, they had the the idea to say, hey, Will, we're going to cut you, but before we do, we're going to go ahead and let you play preseason the entire game and prove to everyone that you're a good quarterback. Yeah, it was so weird because I, I think they actually had three quarterbacks already. They have Cooper Rush as the backup to Bre- Prescott, and Will Greer was the third quarterback, so they bring in Lance. And, and you're right, you know, before the game, they say, hey, good news, bad news, Will. Good news is you're playing the entire game against the Raiders. The bad news, oh, by the way, uh, we're going to cut you the day after the game. So it's really an audition for the 31 other teams. And hey, little um, added extra little bizarreness, Dak Prescott is going to be calling the plays for you. So hey, good luck. Have fun. Yeah, that that's funny. I mean, that's probably the first time Dak Prescott got to call plays. Yeah. So good for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Will Greer had a decent game. I think he had four touchdowns. I mean, it actually looked like one of his college games back when he played for West Virginia. I'd say he would have. I'd say he had more than a decent game. It was like twenty nine for thirty five, three hundred yards, threw touch, threw two touchdowns, ran for two. Yeah, and it paid off. He got signed to the practice squad of the Cincinnati Bengals. So have a day, young man. Good for you for for stepping up when you could have really, you know, withered and and you know just shook your head and and gone away and not had a good game well maybe it's the cowboys just wanting to have good karma right they did something nice for a for a guy and and maybe it'll come back and reward them in the end it's really weird to say we're not going to work on trading you but we're going to give you a platform to you know showcase your skills and let another team pick you up i mean i just i don't quite understand the mentality behind that i think that's what it is i think they were doing will greer a solid uh and it and it paid off for the guy. But again, 
This was a weird week in NFL preseason. And these were a couple of the stranger things that, uh, that we saw. Um, let's get into a couple of uh, good and bad, just like things that I noted. Uh, I'm going to mention Kenny Pickett and George Pickens on the good side. So a little bit strange since we're talking about weird, strange things. Kenny Pickett and George Pickens both played in all three preseason games, which is sort of rare for players of their caliber. They didn't play a lot, but over the course of three games, we got to keep an eye on this team and these guys. These guys are on the upswing. We've mentioned it a little bit. Kenny Pickett in three games, 13 of 15, 199 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. George Pickens, four catches, 76 yards. That's almost 20 yards a catch. One touchdown. I know it's preseason. I know it's the backups a lot of the time, but those are some solid stats, and these guys clearly have a connection. Yeah, yeah, they're going to be uh, an interesting duo to watch. Uh, I do think that uh, that that I'm kind of excited about Pickens. Um, here's something that I noticed, which I think is really interesting. Uh, Will Lutz, if you remember him, he was a kicker back for the New Orleans Saints. Well, he is now reunited with his old coach, Sean Payton, in Denver. They went ahead and picked him up, and I think that's a great story. And, you know, Will was kicking 50-plus yarders back in the Superdome. Imagine now what he's going to do at mile high. I think we're looking at 60-yard attempts. So that, to me, is a feel-good story, uh, especially since there was another kicker who was, like, drafted in the fourth round last year, and everyone thought, what are you doing drafting a kicker in the fourth round? He got outright cut. Yeah, boy, that that is not good for your sort of draft, you know, history. When you when you do take a kicker in the fourth round, uh, and then you end up cutting them, that's really a, a missed opportunity there. All right, we've talked about some good here. I do want to bring up one bad uh, when it comes to this preseason, and that is the L.A. Rams. Wow, have they just really fallen off a cliff? And again, preseason, but let's take a look at some of these stats. They are 0-3 in their preseason games. They lost 34-17 to the Chargers. They lost 34-17 again to the Raiders. And then in their last game, 41-0 to the Broncos. That is a difference of 109 points given up to only 34 scored. I don't care where you play. I don't care when you play, how you slice it. They're giving up 36 points a game. And if you think that their twos and threes are getting rolled over, that's got to mean that their ones aren't that great either. You know, now there's reports from the camp that Matt Stafford has trouble, you know, connecting with the younger generation, whatever that means. There's just something wrong with this team. Now, Full transparency, Stafford, Cup, Akers, Higby, Van Jefferson, Donald, all of their stars, they did not play this season. I get it, but I just feel this is a team heavily on the down, on the downswing. Stafford is 35, Cooper Cup is 30, you know, Aaron Donald is 32. They're coming off of significant injuries last year, Cup and Stafford. They haven't really signed exciting new players. It just kind of boggles my mind how the mighty have fallen so quickly with a team that was in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. 
you know, they might have to stop charging $120 for parking and bring it down to something more reasonable like 105 <laughs> Well, that might be the issue there, you know. Well, they need 120 so they can go out and sign people, but they're not even spending that money. But I don't know what's going on with that team, but it is not good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to a healthy Cooper Cup and to see if maybe he can bring back some of the magic that he's had in past years. He really is a, a, an amazing receiver. He, he catch has more targets and and more you know completions than than, than most others. But I don't know. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the Rams team this year, and I think uh, as the weeks progress, you'll see me betting against them. I would agree with you. I, I and I also agree with you about Cooper Cup that based on past performance could be a real sleeper in a fantasy draft because I think people are overlooking him and sort of forgetting some of the stats that he's put up in the past. And if he and Stafford are back, it could get you a lot of points and a, and a lot of, you know, really positive things on a fantasy side. But as a team, when you're playing against, you know, Seattle and San Francisco, going to be a tough year for the Rams. Weird that Stafford's not connecting with people. It almost sounds like he's a fossil and everyone else is young and he just doesn't understand what the cool kids are doing. But I don't know. He lives really close to us back when, when in Calabasas. I don't know if you know that. He was uh, often playing golf at the Calabasas Country Club. So I, I do know him. Actually, have I do not. I do not know him personally, but I do know that, and I've seen him a couple times around. And uh, uh, funny little story. There happened to be a day at the Starbucks where both Howie Mandel and Matthew Stafford were in the Starbucks near us at the same time, and this little ten-year-old kid. I was sitting outside, walked inside, walked out 20 seconds later with his eyes as big as saucers, yelling to his parents about Howie Mandel and Matthew Stafford, both being inside the Starbucks there. So He wasn't yelling about David Schiff, one of the co-hosts of the Wanna Bed podcast? <laughs> no, I had my hat pulled low, so he did not recognize me. All right, so we're going to come back in just a minute and talk some more football. We're going to talk uh, significant additions to the NBC, to the NFC, and then we're going to get into some handicapping. We're going to look at the divisions and make some playoff predictions when we come back in just a minute. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, here we go. We are back from break, back ready to talk about the NFC. And one of the things that we did last week, Miles, is we talked about significant additions to the AFC. So now we're going to do the same thing. And a significant addition means any free agent signing, new coach, uh, draft picks, whoever's coming into the NFC. And I'm going to be honest here. When I went to look at the NFC, 
it was so much harder to really find significant additions than it was the AFC. It feels like the weight of the NFL has really sort of spilled over to the AFC with the AFC East and that tough division and some of the coaching changes. You know, I don't know if you agree. Like when you look at the power rankings, most people have the top six is three AFC and three NFC teams. They've got Cincinnati, uh, Cleveland, uh, sorry, Cincinnati, Kansas City, and Buffalo on the AFC side. And then, you know, Dallas, San Francisco, uh, and Philadelphia on the NFC side. But then there's a big fall off. After that, it's pretty much all AFC teams, Baltimore, Miami, Chargers. Do you agree that the NFC just doesn't feel quite as strong as the AFC this year? I do agree. My take is a little different, but I but I agree in principle. I do think that this year there's going to be more contributors to the AFC that came in from the NFC, so the inter-conference switching. I don't think there's many impact players that are coming from the AFC to the NFC. However, I think the rookies that are going to have an instant impact in the NFC are much more significant than the rookies that are going to have an impact in the AFC. And I have a list of a bunch of rookies that I think are going to make instant skill position type impact on their teams. And I'm not even talking quarterbacks because it seems like, you know, each year you see major contributions coming from, you know, rookie quarterbacks uh, like, you know, Justin Fields and whatnot. And, you know, People are excited about Bryce Young. I get that. And if you look at the AFC, you could throw in C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson. But excluding these guys, uh, I think there's going to be a, a much bigger impact from rookie players like Bijan Robinson of the Falcons or Jonathan Mingo, uh, Jordan Addison of the Minnesota Vikings. Fight on. Yeah. Uh, Jackson Smith and the Jigba. All these guys, I think, can come in and make an immediate impact. And again, maybe this is me being old school, but it seems like gone are the days of Aaron Rodgers, who's waiting under Brett Favre for three years, and Jordan Love waiting under Aaron Rodgers for three years. Maybe that's the the Green Bay way. But so many teams are putting in their first-year quarterbacks immediately. Yeah, I think that... For better or for worse, the MO right now in the NFL is if you have a high draft pick who's a quarterback, you got to get him in there. And, you know, college programs are doing a better job of getting those quarterbacks ready to go in pro systems. But, um, you know, it's hit or miss. And, you know, look at a Trey Lance, who was the starter the beginning of last year before he hurt his ankle, and now he's not even on the roster. Yeah, I'd call that a miss. Look at Baker Mayfield. They put him in immediately. And how many teams has he been on already, you know? I don't think you can call him a success. And look, there are great college quarterbacks. I get that, right? Eric Crouch won a Heisman at Nebraska. Tim Tebow won national championships at Florida. These guys are great in college. It doesn't always translate to the NFL. You brought this up uh, a couple of weeks ago, which I want to sort of touch on, is that all the kind of the movements and people sort of migrating the AFC and what's going on has has opened the door in a couple of the divisions. Like you said, Green Bay is not you know, a perennial favorite. That opens the door uh, for a Detroit or somebody like that. Uh, I think the South is going to be wide open for the taking. So it's going to create the opportunities for some competitive football 
uh, which is going to be exciting. You know, there is this thing called the Patrick Ewing theory. It was uh, it was uh, popularized by by Bill Simmons back in the day, and it's basically that you, you you take a star from a team that you know hasn't achieved as much as his potential, and you, he moves off the team, and all of a sudden that team is better without him. I think you might see some Ewing theories this year uh, when it comes to the NFC. And I think Green Bay will be an interesting example if, you know, the loss of Aaron Rodgers and Alan Lazard and, uh, you know, is going to make them a better team. And and maybe even Minnesota with the loss of Dalvin Cook and Adam Thalen, are they going to be a better team? I happen to think so. I think Bill Simmons needs to update that to call it the Kyrie Irving or James Harden theory because... Uh, it's been a while since Ewing played, and those are a couple of other pro basketball players who seem to bring a toxic environment to their teams, uh, and then they move on quickly. I did have one player that I wanted to bring up in terms of a significant addition to the NFC, and that is Derek Carr moving to the New Orleans Saints after nine years with the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, last year, Carr threw for 3,500 yards, 24 TDs, 14 interceptions, not a great year. Actually, his lowest QBR ranking since his rookie year in 2014. But as I just mentioned, this is a division up for grabs. And, you know, is Carr the missing piece that catapults the Saints back to the top of the NFC South? I'm not sure. I like the move for the Saints because I don't think Jameis Winston is the guy. I think he's a good backup. I don't think he is the guy. Now, they get an experienced quarterback, but... I got to look at the pieces around him now and saying, you know, are they enough for the Saints to stay on top? You know, they get Jamal Williams from the Lions. Uh, He had a breakout season last year, ran for over a thousand yards. And they have a stud receiver, Chris Olave, who's a rising star. But, you know, Alvin Kamara is going to be out for a few games. He was uh, serving a suspension for getting into a fight in Las Vegas last year. Michael Thomas, you know, he has not been the Michael Thomas of old, you know, really for several years now, only 171 yards receiving. Carr is going to be playing with urgency. He's been in this league nine years, one playoff appearance. He's 0-1. You know, I don't know if he's really enough, but I do think the move strategically was smart, and he's going into a division with a lot of, you know, open ground that they might be able to move to the top and get into the playoffs. Yeah, the NFC South traditionally kind of uh, has a merry-go-round, if you will, at the at the top position, and it almost seems like every year it, it, it's someone different. Uh, I do think you're correct that New Orleans had to do something because Jameis Winston wasn't the answer. I just don't know if Carr is. Uh, not one of my favorite players. Um, I just never felt like... Uh, you can build a team around him. So we'll see how long he lasts. Um, you know, it, it, you get a coach like Sean Payton when he coached for New Orleans, and he did more with less. I don't know that that's going to be the same New Orleans Saints minus Sean Payton. It was interesting how the relationship between Carr and the Raiders really ran its course. I mean, he basically he was cut by Josh McDaniels. So there's something that, that McDaniels is seeing that leads him to believe that Carr is not a championship-level quarterback. Saints are going to take a flyer on him. We'll see how it goes. Why don't we get into the uh, the NFC Divisionals? Let's. 
talk a little about who we like in each one. Absolutely. Let's get into it. Let's start with the NFC East. What are you thinking about the NFC East? So the NFC East to me is going to be uh, kind of a, a, a stronger division. It's going to be a little more challenging. The numbers aren't going to show that, but I think the overall play will. You've got the Eagles right now who are favored at a minus 120, followed by the Cowboys at plus 175. And then, you know, trailing far behind, you have the Giants at plus 750, and you have the Washington Commanders, praise be and blessed be the fruit, (laughs) at, uh, I think, plus 1,200. So no one's thinking much of the Commanders this year. Um, even though I think without Dan Snyder, they could be a candidate for a Patrick Ewing type uh, resurgence. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We should we should start giving out a Patrick Ewing award for uh, you know addition by subtraction, and that's a good one. You're absolutely right. So last week, uh, or maybe it was week one, when I made my over under bets, I thought that the Eagles are going to regress a little bit. So I don't particularly like them at minus 120. Yeah, they might win the division. I don't think they're going to be as strong as they were last year. I just don't feel like they added enough to their team. Uh, I was excited they had signed Miles Jack, but Miles Jack ended up retiring and chose not to play for them, which I thought was a little bit odd. Um, but so I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to make a bet here on Philadelphia at minus money, which means – if I were to make a bet, what would it be? You've got Dallas at plus 175, and that looks a little juicy to me. But Dallas every year is like the team that everyone thinks is always going to win, and they never do. I mean, their fan base is so, this is our year, this is our year. They're like Notre Dame in college, right? And I just don't know if this is their year, but I do like them at plus 175. And then if you want to go, you know, long shot, Brian Dable put together a decent season last year for the Giants. No one thought they'd be as good as they were. And at plus 750, they're being counted out already. Now, they're potentially a playoff team. This bet is to win the East, meaning they have to have the better record than Dallas and Philadelphia. I don't know that they will. But I'm leaning Dallas here. That's at least my breakdown. Yeah, I love that bet. I really like Dallas at plus 175. And I like Dallas more than you do. Just spoiler alert, I think this could be their year. Let's talk a little bit about the NFC East. We talked about the NFC South uh, a week or so ago where we were saying, what a crappy division. No team in the NFC South was uh, better than 500 or is even at 500 last year. And the NFC East is the exact opposite. Let's not forget no team in the NFC East was worse than 500 last year. The Commanders were 8-8-1. Eight, eight, and one. So this is the only division in football that sent three teams to the playoffs, Philadelphia, Dallas, and the Giants. Uh, we agree that the Eagles are going to regress. Let's not forget they lost both of their coordinators. Both of their coordinators from last year are now head coaches in the NFL on other teams. And I think that that just... Shakes up the team a little bit. It's going to be a little bit of a, a new system for Hertz and the defense and figuring things out. So I think they come back to the field. I like Dallas. I think I'm all in on them. I love that plus 175 bet. Agree with you. I wouldn't make the minus money bet on Philadelphia, but I am betting that 175 on Dallas. 
boy, is this Dallas's year finally? I feel like people have been saying this is our year. It was almost like when was L.A. going to get their football team? That's how long people have been talking about Dallas being good. This isn't 1980-something. We'll see. The NFC in general is down a little bit, and I think that's an opportunity for one of these teams with an elite defense. That's one of the big calling cards for the Cowboys. They have an elite defense, and they're going to put it to the test, and they've got enough pieces on offense with CeeDee Lamb, and you know they got Ronald Jones now, and you know Tony Pollard's going to have a good year, and you know I think Dak comes back from the hand injury and puts it all together. I do. Yeah, well, and they have a great offensive line as well that everyone talked about. So we'll see if this is their year. Let's move over to the NFC North, Minnesota, Detroit, Green Bay, and Chicago. I'll go through the numbers quickly. Uh, Green Bay is at plus 375. Minnesota at plus 260. Detroit, the favorite right now, at plus 135. And Chicago at plus 450. So this is going to be a tight tough division that is up for the taking this year yeah and i think detroit actually uh is now has better odds i feel like they were a minus maybe uh, a week to two weeks ago so the plus 135 is saying hey we're recognizing that a bunch of your guys are suspended and not playing the first few games of the season so maybe it's gonna be harder for you than than the thought yeah i mean i think a lot of people are sur- surprised that minnesota isn't the favorite they were 13 and 4 last year. But when you look into that record a little bit more carefully, they were 9 and 0 in games decided by 7 points or less. That included two overtime wins and they won two more games by 8 points. That is not going to happen in 2023. Statistically, that is just an impossibility. Yeah, 11 and 0 in one score games and you broke it down exactly right. Uh so maybe they won't win 13, but I do think that they're the team to watch in the NFC North, and that's actually where I'm going to place my money. I like Detroit. Detroit's a great story. Detroit, historically, though, has a real hard time making it to the playoffs. I actually think they will make it to the playoffs this year. Talk about that a little bit later. But Minnesota, going back to the Patrick Ewing theory of losing Dalvin Cook, Losing Adam Thalen. I love this new rookie, Jordan Addison. Justin Jefferson's the best receiver in the NFC. I think that, uh, you know, if Madison can run the way Madison normally does, and they also just, I think, filled a, a backup spot with Miles Gaskin, if you remember him, I think that they are pretty much stacked when it comes to the skill positions. Throw TJ Hawkinson in the mix. And you've got yourself a really potent offense. So I'm looking for them to lead the NFC North. Yeah, um, a lot of people are high on Detroit. We've talked about it. Detroit, the 32nd best, the 32nd worst defense last year. Uh, Number 30 in pass defense, 29 in rush defense. As As much fun as this team is to watch. And they've got some good pieces. Jared Goff, comeback player of the year. Jared Goff had the best touchdown to interception rate ratio of any quarterback last year. Really fun on offense. Amon Ross St. Brown is going to have a big year. But if they do not make significant strides in their defense, they're not going anywhere despite all the hype. Yeah, I, I feel, though, um, as, as close as Green Bay and Chicago are in the in the uh, rankings and in the, in, the, in the handicapping at plus 375 and plus 450, 
I don't think either one of them have a chance. I don't see either one of them being a playoff contention, and uh, I don't have any faith in, in either of those teams. I think these are rebuilding years for both those uh, franchises. I would agree. Let's move on to the NFC South. NFC South, so much turmoil, a lot of change going on, another division up for the taking. What do you think about the South? This is a really interesting division to me. You know, the quarterback, the only quarterback that is returning and has any experience with his existing team is Desmond Ritter of the Atlanta Falcons. Everyone else has a brand new quarterback under center. And I think that's going to be an important part of this NFC South. You've got New Orleans, who are the favorites at plus 115. And there we've got Derek Carr and what kind of an impact will he make? New team, you know, older quarterback. I don't love it. You know, uh, you've got Atlanta at plus 200. That number to me is juicy and I'm taking it. The only thing I don't like about Atlanta is that they somehow have put a Chick-fil-A in their stadium and they play games on Sunday when Chick-fil-A is closed, and that makes no <laughs> sense to me. Either put something else in there, or Chick-fil-A has to you know, open on Sundays. I know they're faith-based, but so is In-N-Out, and they're open. So I, let me just leave it there. Or maybe just don't go to Chick-fil-A, because I'm, I'm not a fan of some of their uh, politics. We're on a mission from God. Well, you know, ever since I've been the Raising Canes, that is like my new go-to place for chicken. That is unbelievably good like i will sometimes uh drive 10 miles out of the way just to go there so We're totally with you my kids are the same way they're they're big fans looking back at the nfc south you've got carolina at 450 and then you've got tampa bay at plus 750 so carolina has bryce drew or sorry bryce young uh under center and Tampa Bay is going with Baker Mayfield, who you know has been in the league but on a new team. I, I actually think this all favors Desmond Ritter and, and the Falcons. And I know in the past the skill players for the Falcons have underperformed. Kyle Pitts has not achieved what everyone thought he would. Drake London hasn't achieved what he thought he would. Uh, they've got those guys coming back uh, along with Bijan Robinson, who's going to be at running back. They still have Cordell Patterson back there. They still have Algiers, who was a rookie last year, who did great. I think this is the see, this is the year for Atlanta Falcons. That's where I'm putting my money at plus two hundred. I agree with you. They are my pick to win the division, and I let you know Desmond Ritter got a, enough of a taste of it last year. I think he's in a situation with enough skill players around him that he doesn't have to do it all. He's got solid running backs with Robinson and Algier, London, Pitts, uh, you know, Matt Collins. You've got a lot of interesting pieces that are on the upswing where we just talked about New Orleans with some older pieces, Kamara and Michael Thomas and, and Derek Carr. I think that this could be poised for uh, Atlanta to take this division. Uh, the numbers have come down a little bit. They were at 220, then 210. They're down to 200, so we're not alone in thinking that. I think people are looking at um, Carolina, going back to Bryce Young, and not seeing a great start and a real command. They were at 350. They've gone up to plus 450. Uh, so people are really shying away from there. It's going to be a fun division to watch because you've got a lot of, you know, teams that are kind of jockeying for position, pretty competitive. Yep. Yep. And that takes us to the NFC West. We've got one clearly elite team. 
uh, and then Seattle. Let's go through these numbers. The NFC West used to be called the NFC Best, but they no longer are the best. Let me say this. Boy, how the mighty have fallen. you got Arizona, who's at a plus 3,000. I think that's the highest out of all the teams in terms of their uh, their handicapping. No one thinks they're going to do well. You've got L.A. up plus 1,000. So the Rams, who were just a couple years removed from Super Bowl, uh, no one thinks too highly of them. This is really a two-horse race between the 49ers at minus 165 and the Seahawks at plus 190. Yeah, it, uh, you mentioned the Cardinals and how bad they are. They've gone from plus 2,500 up to plus 3,000. And they are potentially starting, was it Jonathan Dobbs, who they just traded for, who barely has arrived at the training camp, and they're just handing him a playbook and saying, oh, by the way, you're going to be the starting quarterback uh, for a team that's not officially tanking for Caleb Williams at USC, but seems to be doing everything they can in their power to ensure they are the worst team in NFL to have a good high draft pick next year. Kind of sad to see, but that's going to be good news for the other teams. Yeah, it's going to be tough for us betters because I think they're going to be double-digit underdogs in probably most every game. They just do not look like they're fielding uh, an NFL team. No, they don't. They don't even really look like they're trying that hard. Yeah, and so going back to the division, if you don't want to bet minus money, which most of us don't, on San Francisco, that kind of leaves you know Seattle uh, at plus 190. Uh, some of their, you know, new receivers, Geno Smith had a big comeback year. Can they take him? As we've talked about with the 49ers, Brock Purdy is their starting quarterback and he's a good starting quarterback, but he had an elbow injury last year. That makes me nervous. And they're one injury away from Sam Darnold coming in to be the backup. Um, now they did show last year that they can go a long way with a questionable quarterback situation. They almost made it all the way through the playoffs with their third string quarterback, uh, who then got hurt and Purdy had to come back in. It was a whole mess. Um, but you just hope that Purdy's healthy or it could be, you know, a, a real left turn for the 49ers going into the season. But don't you as, as a USC grad want to see Sam Darnold have success? I mean, He's had opportunity. Well, there's no question. He's had two starting roles where he was really given the keys to the kingdom and didn't perform. Wouldn't it be cool if he came in as a backup midseason and actually pulled a Brock Purdy? I mean, I would love to see that. There's nothing about his play to this date that leads me to believe that that's going to happen. USC has a recent history of putting out great wide receivers Amon Ross St. Brown, Drake, Drake London, Jordan Addison, and mediocre quarterbacks, Matt Barkley, Matt Leinert, Sam Darnold. So you have some of these guys coming out with a lot of hype who end up hanging on as backups, not really living up to their potential as starters. You know, maybe the stats get goosed up, you know, with USC playing in the former Pac-12. That seems to have happened with Darnold. You know, when you look at his touchdown to interception ratio, you look at his QBR, it's just not there. So, sure, I would love that. I don't see that happening, but I would love it. A lot of Tim Couch syndrome, it sounds like. Well, in terms of making a pick in the NFC West, uh, I don't want to put the minus money on San Francisco, and I do like Seattle, but I'm going to stay away and not make a pick in this one uh, in terms of picking for putting money down. 
I did take the Seattle over in wins. That was my pivot. I do think they're going to win more games than I think the eight and a half that they were listed for. But I don't know that they're going to win the division. And I like other bets more. So I think I'm going to stay away from this one. Um, I don't give LA or Arizona a chance uh, other than to pump up the number of wins that San Francisco and Seattle will have. But uh, I'm not ready to throw money in this division. I would agree with you. It's not a division I'm betting on. I don't like um, Seattle enough to put money on them. I think if Purdy stays healthy, San Francisco will win the division. So there you go. That's our take on some of the handicapping. We're going to be back in just a second, and we are going to talk about our projected playoff teams for the NFC, and we're going to make a Super Bowl prediction in just a minute. All right, we're back. Let's talk now about who we believe is going to make the playoffs for the NFC, and then we're going to get into a Super Bowl prediction. Seven teams, Miles. Seven teams from the NFC. They're going to be playoff teams. Tell us right now who they are. You want some more of that? I didn't think so! All right, so I'm starting with the West, and I'm going to put San Francisco and Seattle out of the West into the playoffs. So two teams coming out of the West. Out of the South, I'm going to stick with uh, Atlanta and leave it there with th- as, as a third team. In the North, I'm going to take two teams. I'm going to take Detroit and I'm going to take Minnesota, which leaves two teams out of, uh, out of the East. And this one's tough because I'm picking Dallas to win the division, which means do I pick Philadelphia or do I go with the New York Giants? Boy, I do like Philadelphia – and I want to go against them, but I don't think I can. I'm going to have Philadelphia in there. I think the Giants are going to miss the playoffs. So that's going to be my my seven. How about you? Miles, this could be the most boring podcast in the history of podcasts because I have the exact same seven picks. Wow. I just don't think three teams are coming out of the East. Um, you know, Washington could be an interesting team with Sam Howell. I don't think they're quite ready yet. But I also have Dallas winning the East over Philadelphia. You know, Minnesota is going to slide back. But even if they slide back two or three games, that's still a double-digit winning season for them. I see them making the playoffs along with Detroit. Green Bay and Chicago aren't ready. Uh, we both like Atlanta as an up-and-coming team over New Orleans, that they're going to win that division and they're going to be the only team. And yeah, San Francisco clearly is going to make the playoffs and Seattle's going to be right behind them. Wow. If you and I are right, if, if we're right, we will be labeled as stable geniuses. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I think you should be worried because I'm rarely right when it comes to this stuff. And we did not plan this. We made these picks independently, um, but we're, we're right in lockstep. And again, you, you should be nervous. Yeah, if we are right, we, we are going to be hailed as, as just, you know, experts in this area. If we're wrong... Um, I don't even know what we're going to be labeled, but I, you know, it's not to say that I don't see the giants or the saints or possibly someone else making it in there. It always happens every year. There's a team that no one expects, but it is weird that you and I are, are, are right. I don't, I wonder if we have the same Super Bowl pick, who are you picking to win it all or at least win it all out of the NFC. So coming out of the NFC and I alluded to this earlier, I do think the Cowboys put it all together. 
I think that the Eagles have slid back a little bit. I think San Francisco could be very, very tough. But when I look at Dallas versus San Francisco, um, Dallas, I think, is in a stronger division. They're not playing the Rams and the Cardinals four times. So advantage to San Francisco there. But I do give the edge in the skill players to Dallas over San Francisco. I'll take Dak, CeeDee Lamb, Tony Pollard. Slightly better than Purdy and CMC, George Kittle, Debo. It's tough. It's tight. But Dallas is playing with their hair on fire mentality of if they don't have a deep run, their coach is gone. They're going to break up this team. This is the year they put it all together. I have them coming out of the NFC to play Cincinnati in the Super Bowl, which I believe, and my son, my older son, thinks I'm absolutely crazy, but I have Cincinnati beating Dallas in the Super Bowl. Well, I am going to go against you out of the NFC, and I am going to take the San Francisco 49ers. I I do think this could be Shanahan's year. Uh, I do think that... I have concerns about Purdy, but I do think they are a talented team, and I think it's it's their time. I feel like every few years is their time, and, and this is their time. So I'm picking San Francisco uh, to represent the NFC. Uh, last pod, I picked Cincinnati to, to represent the AFC. Uh, and unfortunately, like you, I, I'm picking Cincinnati to win it all. So for sure, uh, that's not going to happen. But <laughs> you are screwed, man. If you are aligning with my picks, one thing about San Francisco, by the way, is Nick Bosa has not played, and there's some issues with his contract. So yeah, I that, saw that. If, uh, if that gets ugly and he's not on the field, that really changes the equation in a bad way for San Francisco. No, that's a fair point, and I'm sure some of my tendencies will change throughout the season. This is, you know, beginning of the season picks, uh, so take them for what they are. But hey, last year beginning of the season, I think I, I had the Eagles and they made it to the to the Super Bowl. You certainly did. Let's not forget, next week, the real fun begins. If you have not listened to the One Bet podcast, this is all just hype and preseason because what we're going to do starting next week is we will make our week one picks. And that means Miles and I will have $1,000 at our disposal. We have to spend all of that $1,000 on our picks. We have to make at least three picks for the week one games. And each bet has to be at least $100. We'll be betting spreads. We'll be betting money lines. We'll be betting over-unders. Last year, Miles was a monster, over 60% uh, picking correctly. We've got a great bet set up for the year. Someone is going to be going to a playoff game, courtesy of the loser. Miles, start packing your bags wherever I'm going to take you. We'll figure that out. But, uh, you know, I cannot wait. I cannot wait for this season to start. So much great football, so many great storylines. Yeah, I agree. And and traditionally, you know, the odds makers need some catch-up time during the first couple weeks of the season to start setting the lines correctly. So it won't surprise me if there's going to be some really juicy lines week one that we're going to want to be all over just because, you know, there hasn't been enough of first-string play that's been seen or, you know, things haven't settled out. So I think that hopefully we can take advantage uh, week one of some of these odd make, odds makers. I know last year I went two and two uh, week one, which was uh, not the best showing. But since then, I've developed my own theory about the home dogs and whatnot and, and road favorites. So 
We'll see if we can apply some of what I learned last year to this year. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to get started. Well, last year I was winless in week one, and that sort of set the tone for my year. You know, the flip side for what you just said about the odds makers is like, you we think we have a perception to some of these teams, but until the starters actually get on the field and play 60 minutes, we don't really know in what shape these teams are until we see them for a couple of games. So that's going to balance out a little bit, but it's real. It is on next week. We're making real bets. We want to hear your picks for the NFC. If you uh, follow us on Twitter or X, you can go to at Podcast. Tell us who you like in the NFC. Tell us who you like in week one, although you'll be able to do that next week as well. Tell us that you're listening. We want to hear from you. We want to be able to drop your name on the podcast. So interact with us. Have fun with us. Continue to listen to us. I'm told that we're pretty funny. That's what I've been told as well. Thank you all for listening. New episodes drop every Friday. We will see you, hear you, involve you, engage you next Friday when we make our week one picks. And then after that, we're going to jump into it. Uh, Looking backwards, tallying our weekly wins, looking forwards, making our next next week's picks. A lot going on. We'd love to have you. Take care with the One of Bed podcast. Miles? Love your body, Larry. Peace out, everybody. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonise your mind, body and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast.